welcome to Grace and Peace Church. Glad you're joining us. If you're new, welcome. If you're returning and you're part of Grace and Peace, uh, we are grateful that you're journeying with us. We are praying for you. Our heart is that creating these videos would create space for you to engage God and uh, continue to grow in your faith and understanding of Scripture, which will also then inform your life and how you begin to interact with the Holy Spirit that's moving and shaking and doing amazing things in our lives as we begin to open our, our minds and our eyes and our heart to what God's doing in our lives. Um, so first thing I want to point out, this tasty beverage that I have sitting here, this is cold brew. I'm a huge fan of cold brew coffee. And, and I just realized that some of you guys don't really get to hear much about what happens on Sundays if you haven't been here. But if you have been here, you'd know that cold brew coffee is on tap. My buddy over at Steeping Giant, which is a locally brewed cold brew coffee, uh, was generous enough to put cold brew on tap for us. Now we have a tap coffee cart out on Sundays and we get to sip on some delicious cold brew. So I'm gonna take a sip right now. I'd invite you to grab a tasty beverage of choice and uh, your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, then open up your phone. There's a Uversion app that you can download. Uh, and if you're familiar with that, just open the Uversion app. And we're gonna be in First Peter and we're in chapter one. We started a series recently, uh, actually last week. Uh, Carissa May, our associate pastor, started that one off and gave us like a good, I think, sense of who Peter is, but we're gonna continue to journey through that because what we're calling this is Peter speaking from experience. This letter that we're reading is Peter speaking to a group of believers who uh, are wrestling with their faith, who are challenged. Um, this is Peter writing from Rome to what today would be modern day Turkey um, and the churches that are in that zone and the churches that are experiencing persecution, that they're standing out for their faith and they're getting ridiculed for it. They're getting pushed out. They're getting, um, they're getting pushed back. And so Peter speaks and writes to them out of experience of walking with Jesus, of being part of what the early church looked like, uh, being a leader in that church, influencing people, teaching people, raising up disciples, sending other disciples out. And so uh, we thought it'd be just interesting just to take a look at his life because he speaks from a lot of experience, a lot of failure, um, which we're gonna see here in a second. And um, I just, I looked up kind of the, the life of Peter in a commentary and in it, and it demonstrated, it kind of summed it up pretty, pretty beautifully. So check this out. Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple. <laughs> that means that Peter was just, he was messing up big time, uh, continually. So Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple. Peter was the only disciple who didn't, who dared to rebuke Jesus. So that's how bold Peter is. He, he was, he's calling Jesus out, right? Not a good choice. Um, Peter confessed Jesus more boldly and accurately than any other disciple. So not only did he rebuke and make some failures, but he also confessed uh, Jesus more boldly. Like he was bold about his faith, outspoken, loved it. Peter also denied Jesus more forcefully and publicly than other any other disciple. He's, he's, he's on the spectrum, all, all like full ends of the spectrum. Like, 
he's he's doing great things and he's doing horrible things. It goes on and says, Peter denied Jesus more forcefully and publicly than any other disciple. And it says, Jesus praised Peter more than any other disciple. He Jesus praised Peter more than any other disciple. He was encouraging. He was constantly like, hey, you're messing this up, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to encourage you. Hopefully this is a reminder of our faith and where we're at because we're trying to just remind ourselves that like, Peter was great and also made some horrible mistakes, but we can learn from that. And I think I find myself in those same shoes. So, and this is Jesus addressed Peter as Satan alone among the disciples. He straight up called him Satan. He's just like, the thing you're doing right now is the most evil thing. And when Jesus says that, what he's saying is you're going against everything that the kingdom of God is about. Everything, this freedom, the love that I bring, the grace, the peace, everything about it. He's like, you're doing the exact opposite. So he calls him Satan. That's pretty gnarly. So this guy, Peter, that we're learning from has learned a lot. He's journeyed. He's been through this, this discipleship process and we have a lot to learn from him. So we're in first Peter. Um, we're going to read a few verses here, but I hope that we see our lives in the life of Peter that we, we make mistakes, and, and I hope that as you come here and listen, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, whatever it is, um, that you're reminded and that you know that God loves us, and He has a plan for us, and sometimes we make mistakes, but He still continually loves us. There's nothing we can do to separate ourselves from Him, and there's nothing that we've done in the past that makes us unworthy to even approach Him or come to church or come to faith, come to... Um, this relationship with Jesus, and uh, and that's why Peter's awesome. And that's why that's why we're going to be studying him for as long as we possibly can. We're going to dig into this. So, um, if you know how we are, we just we just keep studying through. We read him passage by passage, and we just kind of pull it out and say, "Hey, what's what's Peter saying here?" and pull out the truths and begin to uh, apply them to our lives and continue to learn together. So that's our prayer as you're journeying here with us. So, uh, chapter one, First Peter. Verse 3, here we go. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance word is one you want to underline, highlight. It's very important. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So Peter refers to this concept of inheritance. So we're going to take some time and unpack that because he's writing to a group of believers that are facing persecution and trials, he says. They're, they're being challenged in their faith um, by the community and, uh, and I'm sure rejected because they would stand out because of the way that they're living, that it's unique, that it's different than the, the culture around them. 
And, uh, and so there would have been a rejection, a trial, challenges, difficulties as a result of being a believer, um, as a result of the community, not because of what they're doing, they're experiencing this new life. But, um, so I want to take some time and talk about this term inheritance. What do we inherit? Um, a few years back, my wife and I inherited, uh, this is the first time I've ever inherited anything, uh, inherited this classic Airstream trailer. It, it wasn't like polished, dialed in or anything. It was just a straight from 1970s, early 70s. And it was from her grandfather. And when he passed away, um, he, he gave it to us. And, um, and we've had the honor and the privilege of just camping in it and kind of dialing it in and refurbishing it, so to speak, a little bit inside and just making it functional and usable. And, um, and camping with our kids and it's been amazing it's been beautiful and um and so we inherited that thing and um it was a free gift it was something we didn't earn it wasn't something that um that we paid into to try and get something it was freely given and so that's the reference that peter starts out with is there's this inheritance not something you earn not something that you worked hard to get um Nothing that you did to be super good in order to get something in return. It was freely given. And, and I hope that if you're hearing this gospel message, this message about what it means to follow Jesus the first time, that following Christ, we don't do anything to earn that. We can't be good enough. There's nothing we can do. We can't go to church enough. We can't pray enough to make us worthy of receiving this gift. It's freely given. That Jesus says, no matter who you are, and Peter would understand this best because remember that stat right at the beginning, it says, uh, Peter denied Jesus more forcefully and publicly than any other disciple. He was called Satan, right? So the writer here, Peter, is the one who's, who's probably failed the most, so to speak, out of all the disciples. And, and, and he is pointing back to, this is an inheritance. This salvation is an inheritance. It's given to you and you don't earn it. It's just freely given. And we're called to then freely give out of our receiving as well. And so Peter points out that these, um, these things that we have, and, and when we talk about inheritance, inheriting stuff, um, that, that those things fade. Because he even talks about how the, um, the gold that, refined, that is refined will eventually fade away, will eventually uh, be... Yes, he says it's, uh, it will be uh, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined. In other words, it's only temporary. Um, the trailer that we got, is, it's temporary um, at best. It's not going to last forever. It's not something that we can stake our lives on, right? That it's great, but what we see in Jesus and what we experience in the gospel is far greater. It's something far more important important, worth more than gold, he says. And so this idea of inheriting salvation, inheriting this eternal life, um, is, is Peter pointing back to the fact that there's a gift that's given. And this idea that when we talk about inheritance, you might think of your own life and maybe you haven't inherited anything um, that might bum you out. But um, this idea that it's non-perishable, can I put it that way? It's something that does not fade away, is of more valuable. And that's the gift that we receive. 
So if you're saying, I have nothing, I've never gotten anything, I can't relate to that, what I would invite you into is the fact that God has given us all and made available to all of us this gift of new life, this gift of eternal life that changes us from the inside out and brings new meaning and purpose to life and puts us on this mission of loving others. And there's something extremely satisfying, life-giving, life-transforming as a result of that. And so that's this inheritance that Peter is drawing them back to, that as they face trials, be reminded that Christ journeys with you, that he is with you in the midst of this. And those things that you're challenged with, they break his heart as well, but he's going to give us strength to rise up in the midst of that. Which then um, brings us to this metaphor that we spoke about when we talk about gold, and he says that gold is refined. And so as we face trials and difficulties, there's a refining that happens. And Um, And he talks about how gold is continually refined and becomes more and more pure. And uh, you're probably familiar with this concept that um, gold, as you heat it up, as you put the pressure on it, put the heat on it, um, the impurities rise to the top and and then they're they're swiped away. I build custom spear guns on the side. And so um, part of building a really quality spear gun is that it's ballasted correctly, that it's weighted correctly. And when you, after I build the gun, I, I cut slots into the gun to pour lead in there. I don't actually pour it in there. I pour the lead into a mold and then put the lead inside the gun. But, um, so I have to make these lead, uh, uh, whatever, like half inch by one inch kind of um, cubes that I put into the gun. And when I pour the lead, I, what I've been doing is like recycling old lead weights, fishing weights, um, lead off of uh, dive belts, whatever, whatever lead I can get my hands on because it can add up and it gets pretty expensive. But when I melt it down, all of the impurities come to the top and, and then you, once I pour it, you can just get rid of all, of all of the dirt, the junk, everything that comes out of it and you end up with just pure lead. And, and I see that, that refining process. Every single time I do that, I'm reminded of this. And, and I believe that that's the same metaphor that Jesus um, invites us into, what Peter's calling these disciples back into, is that these trials will refine you, that the heat that you're in the midst of will challenge you. And let me remind you that not all those things are God causing those things. Those are just a result of living in a fallen world. But what God does is he uses those things and refines those things in our hearts that as we go through the temptations, the trials, the challenges, we learn how to overcome. We learn how to choose the good versus the poor, uh, broken system that many of us fall into, right? The, um, the habits of addiction rather than choosing discipline and choosing life, right? And that's the refining process that Peter's pointing to. Um, And he just says that, that we might experience this glory, that we might experience God to the fullest. And and that's that's the invitation here. And that's what he's reminding them of and reminds us of today. And so just be mindful though, as we go through challenges, that we need to be cognizant of the ways that maybe that heat will take out the impurities of our lives, the things that we don't need anymore, and continually refine us to become more and more pure before God, and ultimately more useful. Because 
When I pour those lead weights or even gold that's not refined, it doesn't have value. There's something about it. And maybe you've experienced this, that people that you've been around that have been through trials and have engaged in those trials in productive ways and said, I'm not going to cave into these things. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm going to learn from these challenges and become stronger. Those are the kind of people we desire to be around because they are so gracious. They are patient. They are people that are, um, their character has been molded in a way that is, it's desirable. It's beautiful, right? That their personality, the, how, they, how they act, how they treat people is, is beautiful. And that's ultimately what God calls us to. That's a reflection of the kingdom of God. So, Peter went through many trials. Um, we know that from those first stats I talked about, um, he was rebuked more than any other disciple. Um, but what he did was he began to learn. And what we see is that even though Jesus rebuked him more than any other disciple and called him Satan, he used his life and transformed his life to be a reflection of God's love in this world. You might know that Peter was first called Simon, meaning rock. And Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. And I believe that Jesus did that because he knew the kind of person that he desired for Peter to be. I believe that God knows what he desires for you to be. That um, he may not give us a new name, uh, but what he does is he continually transforms us to be more like him. And so going back to the initial question, what do we inherit? We're invited into salvation, a saving work of Jesus that refines us to live as we were designed to live. In verse eight, he says, you haven't even seen him and yet you love him. So he's, he's pointing out that this movement, the Holy Spirit that's been moving through the church has been transforming lives even though they don't even see Jesus, even though they don't get to personally interact with him, they've experienced the transformation that happens as a result of the salvation of their souls. So salvation is this process of continually being restored, continually being healed, mending relationships, experiencing wholeness when it comes to our own identity and our own lives. And, and a wholeness that just gives us the sense of peace. That regardless of what goes on around us in this world, we can trust in Christ. That Christ gives us the strength in the midst of whatever we face. And so salvation is more than just something that happens after we die. It's something that transforms life here and now. Carissa mentioned last week that Peter knew the right answers. And maybe you have known about this idea of salvation, this inheritance that we've been given through Christ, um, that maybe that's something you grew up hearing all the time. Uh, maybe the term gospel was thrown around. Um, and, uh, and so you know about this, but don't quite grasp how it begins to transform life. Peter knew many times the right answer. There's even a moment that, like I mentioned, Chris pointed out last week that Jesus asked 
Peter, who do you say I am? And what Peter responded with was, you are the Messiah. You are the one that's come to be God in flesh and blood, to die for our sins, to give us new life, to bring his kingdom here on earth. He knew the right answers, but yet still denied, made mistakes, still ended up being called Satan because of the way that he was acting. Um, there was this process of him learning really what it meant to be living into this idea of salvation. There was a process, a journey that he was learning of what it really means to be saved. Dallas Willard put it this way, biblically, salvation means deliverance. This word deliverance. The question is, deliverance from what? The common message is deliverance from guilt, but the full concept of salvation in the New Testament is deliverance from our present sins. Deliverance from sins comes from the new life of God's kingdom when we place our confidence in Jesus the person. What he reminds us here is that this idea of deliverance, this idea of salvation is a deliverance from the destructive force that is sin, that exists in our world, that exists in our lives, exists in other people's lives, exists, it's around us. It's not the dominating force, but it is definitely a force that exists in our world. Um, as believers, we understand that God's kingdom is all around us as well. And, um, and ultimately through Christ, he has victory, that Satan doesn't have the last word anymore, that evil and the temptations and the struggles, that those exist, yes, but we are called to push back that darkness. And so when he says deliverance from what? I, would, I want to ask us that question. What do you need to be delivered from? Because I'm sure there's things right now that I can think of in my life, maybe you can think of in your life, that are destroying life as it is and keeping you from experiencing life to the full. And what Jesus invites us into is beginning to recognize the ways that we, the patterns that we are living in that are destructive, hurtful, not only to us, but to others and to creation. And what he invites us into is this way of living that is good, this new way of living that is, in the, that is according to the kingdom of God. And again, that's a process, a process that we are invited into the same way that Peter was in process of learning what it meant to follow Christ. Um, he denied him so many times, right? Publicly denied him more than any other disciple. And yet Jesus redeemed him, um, re reinstated him, gave him purpose, meaning hope to what it means to follow Jesus. And so I think we are reminded at times that, that the way that, that God works is contrary to the way this world works. That the way that God views us is different than the way the world views us. That God loves us and continually wants to draw us to a better way of life. At times, I gotta admit, I forget what God is doing in our lives. And I feel like what I'm doing is insignificant. But then I have moments like I had last weekend where I got to pray over my buddy Kevin, 
who 15 years ago got saved in our youth group and began this journey, this process of continually surrendering his life to Christ. And then last weekend I got to fly up and pray over him at his ordination service at a church up near Sacramento. And I was reminded that God is continually working, that God is continually saving, continually redeeming, continually bringing new life. And sometimes Satan, evil, sin will convince us that what we're doing is useless. But in moments like that, I look and I begin to see God at work and I begin to see God's work in Kevin's life but also through Kevin's life, that now Kevin and his wife, Dana, and uh, the people that he's ministering to, uh, there's transformation happening there. And it's beautiful to watch that. And I think the reminder that I need, and sometimes we need, maybe as you're listening, that we need is that salvation is continually happening, that there's this continuous, um, like he, where he says in the very end, he says, you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls, this new redemption, this new work that God is doing continually in our lives. And so um, if you feel like what you're doing is worthless, if you feel like the salvation, this uh, inheritance that you've been given sometimes doesn't feel significant and important, I would remind you, continue to pursue Christ, continue to seek his face daily through prayer, through scripture, through gathering with other people that will hold you accountable and help you grow. And you'll begin to be reminded that God is at work, that he never stops. And what I want to do is um, use this passage from Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. You might be familiar with it, but this passage, I believe, reminds us of the way that this salvation is continually working out in our lives. And here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Again, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, that he's continually refining us. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Our prayer is that we would be fixing our eyes on Jesus. That passage is so beautiful in reminding us that we are called to run this race, that we are called to continue to pursue Jesus in every part of our life in all of our relationships, everything that we are about, and keep our eyes continually fixed on Him. And I believe that that line right there, continually keeping our eyes fixed on Him, that is the process of salvation. Peter continually kept his eyes fixed on Jesus, continually fixed on Him. Even though we messed up, and even though we mess up sometimes, and we take our eyes off of Jesus, let's take our eyes, put them back on Jesus, continually keep our eyes fixed on Him, running that race, and as, as we begin to engage in that process of continually keeping our eyes on Jesus, there will be this transformation that happens and new life will take place. I was reminded this week watching a mini documentary on Vice News that was called How Addicts Survived COVID. So if you think about people struggling with addiction, when COVID hit and we went into quarantine and the churches shut down and all of the 
AA meetings, all of the, the spaces where people gathered to support one another in their addiction, all that disappeared, right? But what happened, and I think it's uh, tragic to begin to think about this, that all these things were shut down and left people basically um, struggling on their own to try and sort it out and figure it out. And this mini documentary followed this guy who uh, was an ex-addict and how he took that opportunity to then say, I'm gonna open my home for these people so they can come in and have community and have space to be held accountable, to experience life to the full, to continually fix their eyes on Jesus, continually run that race, continually push towards the good that exists and not fall back into the addiction and the cycles that destroy our lives. And it was so inspiring to begin to see how his life and his openness and his generosity created space for people to gather again and to hold each other accountable and to talk about the meaningful things in their lives that, um, that kept them on track. And my prayer, my hope, our hope as a church is that you would connect we have life groups on Tuesday and this isn't just a, a sales pitch. This is recognizing that when we gather together, that when we come together in prayer, when we come together to study God's word, when we come together to vulnerably share our lives and the challenges that we face, we will experience the salvation that we inherit. We will experience new life. This guy was living it. And that's, that's what I hope we can continue to um, encounter and, and create and be a part of within grace and peace here. Um, let's be those kind of people that continue to pursue Jesus, that keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, but not in a way that says it's just me and God, but man, there's people that are struggling. There's people around me that need to experience this life, this goodness that we find in Jesus. And let's continue to gather and, and draw one another towards fixing our eyes on Jesus holding each other accountable in that process. So grace and peace. I hope that this, this passage and this time together has given you um, space to continue to grow in that journey, just like Peter. There's a journey that's going on. That my, our prayer is that you would uh, experience that and step into that a little bit further and recognize that whatever failures you have, whatever mistakes, continue to learn from those. And we pick up and we continue to move on, fixing our eyes on Jesus. If you have prayer or you need prayer for anything, we have a link in the show notes and in the description, depending on where you're watching or listening, that takes you to a connect card. It's a digital connect card. And basically just drop your name in there and there's space for prayer. We'd love to be praying for you. If you need prayer for anything, drop it in there. And um, our team will be praying for you throughout the week. And um, we believe that God truly wants to transform life. So. Grace and peace to you as you live into this. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.